Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. In this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Providence head coach Ed Cooley, who just recently coached the Big East All-Stars in the Pan American Games to a bronze medal down in Lima, Peru. We're going to go over that team, that experience. We'll go player by player, players that will return to their various Big East schools, uh, which I think is going to be a trend with some of these international competitions. We've seen World University Games take a present college basketball team. Uh, Clemson just won gold in June. Uh, I don't think we'll see it as much with the traditional sort of U19, U18, U17 USA teams. I think you'll still see that be a collection of players, some from high school, some from currently in college, uh, put together over over a few weeks and competing internationally. Uh, and certainly I don't think we'll see at the national team level anytime soon taking a full team uh, to compete uh, on the national stage. Obviously not going to see that at the World Cup or the Olympics. You know, once again, you've got some international players on these teams. I just don't think that'll happen at that level. But at the lower level, Pan Am Games, I think we could see conferences take over. Also, I'm going to be talking to Amy Dash. She is a legal analyst for Fox Sports Radio and CBS Sports Radio. We're going to talk about this agent issue because this became a one-week story. And the latest, as we're taping on Monday, uh, the NCAA put out a statement, which I will read here, uh, amending their initial rule that had a degree requirement for an agent to represent a player who wanted to consider going back to school. That's the group we're talking about. Players who wanted to retain their amateur status around the draft process. If you wanted to represent that player going forward, the initial requirement was a degree as well as taking a test on the NCAA campus in Indianapolis as well as... um, having being certified by the NBA Player Association for a minimum of three years. Now, there was a lot of backlash, and there was a lot of wrong narratives here that I will say before we get to Amy Dash on this subject. Number one, the NBA Player Association has a requirement, okay? And I'm going to read you this. This is their requirement. It says it on their website. The NBA APA may accept sufficient and relevant negotiating experience in lieu of the degree requirement. You will need to provide supporting documentation as well as an addendum stating why your experience should be accepted in lieu of a degree. Exceptions are granted on a case-by-case basis, and an answer cannot be provided until your doc- your application, documents, and addendum are reviewed by the NBA APA. The addendum and supporting documentation... You should submit the aforementioned addendum and supporting documentation should be submitted electronically with your application by clicking to upload and so on. So there is a degree requirement, but you can have an exception if you prove you've been able to negotiate. 
That's the Rich Paul rule. The Rich Paul rule, who is a big-time agent, friends with LeBron. That's how he got going. CA, very well-respected within the industry. Obviously, has done wonders without a degree. You don't need a degree to be successful in life. We get that. I'm not advocating that. But the NBA Players Association, hello, Chris Paul, okay? You were the president of this, the player rep has president. Your own organization has this rule that you need a degree. If you don't have one, you have to show documentation. Now, I will say what the NCAA put out on Monday is what I initially thought they should put out, which is essentially this. Student-athletes now can be represented by agents who meet the following requirements. Have a bachelor's degree and or are currently certified and in good standing with the NBA Players Association. How do you get in good standing with the NBA Players Association and get certified? You either have to have a degree or you get an exception by proving that you were able to negotiate. So they could have saved a lot of hot air from various people getting all worked up if they had just said this initially. If they had put this out and people still criticized it, I don't know what to tell you. Because this is what the Player Association has. Second point, have the NBA Player Association certification for a minimum of three years, maintain a professional liability insurance, complete the NCAA qualification exam, pay the required fee. Okay? It says here, this policy provides student-athletes with access to hundreds of qualified agents who can offer solid guidance but also protect those same students from unscrupulous actors who may not represent their best interests. So this is actually directed more at Christian Dawkins, who was at the center of the FBI investigation. We remain focused on improving the college basketball environment over the next year. We will continue to evaluate the agent certification policy as well as implication of other rules recommended by the Commission on College Basketball. At the top of it, they agree that we've been made aware of several current agents who have appropriately represented former student-athletes in their professional quest and whom the NBA Players Association has granted waivers of its bachelor's degree requirement. While specific individuals were not considered when developing our process, we represent the NBA Players Association determination of qualification and have amended our, our certification criteria. Boom. If this had been put out initially and people still criticized it, I don't know what to tell you. I get it. It's a fair criticism for what was initially put out. But now that we've got this story over, this is essentially what the Player Association has. The only addendum here, from what I can tell, is just completing the NCAA qualification exam. That's it. That's the only thing. And yeah, they want the agents to know the rules of the NCAA. And I would think an agent would want to know the rules because if he's representing a player who may go back to school, you'd want, you wouldn't want to get him ineligible. So where's the problem there? It's just I cannot stand when a narrative takes off without the full understanding of the facts. The criticism is totally valid. This is what should initially have been put out. I get it. I agree. But to say they're on an island, no, NBA needed a degree or you have to be. You have to prove that you were able to ne- negotiate, and there are exceptions and waivers all the time. NFL needed a degree. Major League Baseball, I'm pretty sure you do. NHL, I've been told you do not. These draft rules and agent rules are done by the leagues, and then the NCAA reacts after the fact. 
Remember, Major League Baseball and the NHL draft players, whether you want to be drafted or not, that's their prerogative. Then the NCAA reacts, become as a baseball player, you got to stay three years. The NFL and the NBA dictate the draft. The NCAA reacts to them. If the NFL or the NBA at some point decide, hey, we want to draft players, whether you want to be drafted or not, then the NCAA would react to that. And maybe the NBA should do that someday. Maybe they should move to that model, which is just like the NHL Major League Baseball. As soon as you turn 18, we have the right to draft you, and we own your rights. And then see the NCAA react. That might be a better way. That might clean up so much of this. But so far, the NBA doesn't want to do that. They may go back to the one and done, uh, or get rid of the one and done in 2022 when they have the new collective bargaining agreement. So I'm a little fired up because multiple things could be true. If people had been upset when this story first broke and said, look, we don't like the NCAA rule or criteria. You need to grant exceptions. That's what the NBA does. The Player Association has a degree requirement and they provide exceptions. I didn't see that one time. People just were pissed off at the NCAA's initial criteria. I was waiting for someone to tweet out, hey, the NBA has a degree requirement, but they allow for waivers. And here's why. That would have been great, because then you would have showed what the Player Association has, and then you would have said, hey, the NCAA needs to have that too. NCAA now is in line with the NBA PA. Remember that. We're going to talk about this coming up here on March Madness 365. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Amy Dash. She's the legal analyst for Fox Sports Radio, CBS Sports Radio, and WFAN. And Amy, let's get right into this agent issue. Uh, On Monday, as we're taping, the NCAA uh, amended its criteria, essentially adopting the NBA Players Association criteria. As I said in the open, uh, clearly this could have been handled differently. And had this been done initially uh, and people still complained, this has been my point, if people still complained that if they had said at the beginning that this is the same thing that Player Association has, where you have to have a degree, and if you don't have a degree, you essentially have to prove that you've been able to negotiate the way the Player Association also makes you do, and people still complain about it, then I don't know what I can tell you, because uh, it's the same as a Player Association in that sense. Why do you think there was never any initial criticism of the MBPA that does, and I said this in our open, does uh, require a degree unless you have proof that you've negotiated in good standing. So there is a baseline requirement by the Players Association, which they've all agreed upon. And then obviously, it's gotten to the point where not everyone has a degree. And so they've allowed you to prove that you can. Why do you think that was never even debated, even at its baseline? Like, wait, wait, why do you even have this as a baseline? Why is there even a degree requirement by the Players Association? Right. I mean, that's something that I was really surprised about, because Chris Paul, came out on Twitter saying he completely disagrees, those are his words, with the NCAA rule requiring a bachelor's degree, um, completely disagrees. So it was a really strong admonition of it. And I'm thinking, well, 
you're the president of the executive committee for the MBPA, which has that baseline requirement of a bachelor's degree. So if you so completely disagree with it, why do you guys even have that as a baseline requirement? And then you only grant exceptions in limited circumstances. So I'm not even sure if he's familiar with the policies of the MBPA. I don't think a lot of players knew or know that the NFLPA requires even more than the NBPA. They require a master's degree or a law degree in addition to an undergraduate degree. So a lot of people have been saying, oh, well, the NHLPA and the MLBPA, they don't require it. Okay, but some do, some don't. There There are criteria all across the board here. And that's because agency is unregulated. So now you have the NCAA coming in. They, they want to be part of the regulatory scheme, but they want to put this black letter rule out there that says you have to have a bachelor's degree, no exceptions, no if, ends, or buts. And they're getting called out by these big ballers on social media. And so it's become a huge controversy because, you know, agency, unlike being a lawyer or being a doctor or being a psychologist, you don't have to spend a lot of money on education. You don't have to traditionally pass all of these different types of exams. You do for the union exams, but now the NCAA is adding their exams. So they're putting more barriers of entry in front of people and people that Rich Paul and LeBron James and some of these other huge stars feel may not have the resources, may not have the desire or the opportunity to meet those barriers and get themselves in the door. Um, the way that Rich Paul did. So there's two things here. One is, and I know you and I have talked off air about this, so I'm curious you know, to hear this on air, is that uh, let's not be, for the, the listener out there, this isn't just some you know joker off the street negotiating contracts. Like all these individuals either have had some experience or should, uh, or they take on you know, their own counsel, if you will, or are part of a larger agency that has that ability. So let me deal with that first. In your experience of reviewing this, you know, even in the case of Rich Paul, it, 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 I mean, he clearly would need people who, first of all, have contractual experience before the first time he would deal with something like this, right? Yeah, well, that's what the NBPA, they require you to have ample negotiating experience in order to get considered for a waiver of the bachelor's degree requirement, which is what happened with Rich Paul. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been certified with NBPA. He he worked for CAA. He worked for a bunch of other people. He works with a, a sports agent and a lawyer who assists him. So he had that negotiating experience. He wasn't just coming off the street. Listen, there's an advantage to having education. Whether you classify education as as having a formal degree or getting your education through life experience. It doesn't mean you're getting your education on the streets. Rich Paul got his education at CAA, one of the top talent agencies. Did he come from, you know, a, an underprivileged background? Perhaps. I really don't know his complete history, but he did have an opportunity to go to the number one of the number one agencies and get that experience. So what he's saying is if you can get your foot in the door, it, it, you don't have to sit in a classroom. Sometimes that real life experience is more valuable. And that's that's their whole, you know, that's their whole gripe with this, with what's going on with the NCAA is they feel like the NCAA is valuing that formal classroom experience over life experience where life experience is open to everyone. Right. Everyone has a chance to make it. And I will tell you this, Amy, I think there was a there was a something got dropped. I can tell you, because at one point this was floated in, in a more formal setting to this is what I was told to the, you know, to the player association. So uh, there was an understanding this was coming down the pike, maybe not the way it was worded. So clearly something got dropped. Like someone should have said at some point, hey, 
this is how we do it exactly. Maybe this is the way it should be put out. And maybe this one week story would have disappeared. I want to get your opinion, though, real quickly here on that. This is coming from an academic based organization. So for those that are critical, they shouldn't be surprised that there that the NCAA would want some form of an academic tie in when these are colleges and universities. Yeah, like to people who are shocked, I say this makes complete sense. Take it from where it comes. Obviously, the NCAA is a collegiate organization. They believe in the superiority of a higher education. They got these recommendations from their commission members, highly educated people like Condoleezza Rice, former NBA players Grant Hill and David the Admiral Robinson, who both stayed, even though they were standout players and had opportunities to go to the NBA, they decided to stay for four years and get their education. So there were a lot of people on that committee of all diverse backgrounds that felt, listen, we believe that it's it's not the reverse. It's not that you go to college to get your year in and then hop to the NBA and college is just a stepping stool to get around the one and done rule, which I think will be gone soon anyway. But they're saying it's actually the opposite. You being a standout athlete gets you an even better opportunity, a college education. And what you can do with that college education is limitless. And if you ever get injured or you retire from the NBA, now you have options. Now you have opportunities. So they see it. And I know this because I spoke with David Robinson and he said he sees it as you know the most valuable thing that that the gift is that their skills in the sport got them this opportunity to get that degree not just to like use it as a stepping stone to get themselves into the nba so that's from where this comes and that's where i think people should take it from they shouldn't expect the ncaa to not think that a college education is superior when that's their bread and butter it's like saying you know like a bakery owner should say should, should talk to people about not t- not eating too many carbs i mean it's ridiculous and the last thing amy and i appreciate your time here is i'm sure people would have been critical if the only if the only certification was you had to take the test because they'd be like why do we have to take a test well the reason you have to take a test is because they want you to know the rules so you don't deem your client ineligible uh, before they decide they're obviously going to forego the rest of their college career. So that's part of this certification, this criteria that I was not shocked at all about having you know, to uh, fill out the NCAA qualification exam. Uh, but I'm sure someone would have squawked about that too. I don't know. I don't know if people would have complained about that, but I think there was, it was well-intentioned. It was to give these college kids advice from someone who has completed college, who knows what it's like to have that degree, who can give them some informed advice when they're deciding whether to drop out of college and so that they don't get exploited and people understand, you know, if they want to help them, that they understand the rules of the organization, that they can, you know, read basic level contracts so they can tell the the players what they're getting themselves into. So I, I think it was well-intentioned. It, unfortunately, I think these, you know, high-name people, Rich Paul and other people without a bachelor's should have been grandfathered in from the beginning and we might have avoided all this controversy if they wanted to, to just initiate a new standard of requiring a bachelor's degree. But now that, you know, they did it, then they backtracked and now it's a mess. All right, Amy, where can everyone find all your content? Uh, follow me on amy-tv on Twitter. And and like you said, I'm on CBS Sports Radio and Fox Sports Radio on WFAN from time to time whenever there's big legal news. So thank you so much for having me. Coming up next year on March Madness 365, Ed Cooley, the head coach of Providence, Just got back from Lima, Peru, getting a bronze medal for the U.S. in the Pan Am Games. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Providence head coach Ed Cooley, fresh off of winning the bronze medal down in Lima, Peru, Peru, for the Pan Am Games. 
you were coaching the uh, Big East All-Star team with a number of your own Providence players. And want to sort of unpack all of this, go over some of the players and the experience. And first, Ed, overall, you get a bronze medal. You go through an international competition representing the United States, coaching a United States-based team. What was the overall experience like? I thought the overall experience was very positive. You know, a chance to work with Kevin Willard, Mike Martin, uh, Bob Walsh. You know, it was just, it was different. It was exciting. You know, we had uh, a week to prepare the team. But what I appreciated more was how the group bonded and how we came together. So, uh, overall, a positive experience. Uh, You know, with the most inexperienced team in the tournament, I thought we competed at an elite level. Uh, we ran into a really hot team in Argentina who ended up winning gold. But, I mean, I thought we were competitive in every other game. Uh, you know, when we played Puerto Rico, it came right down to the last minute of the game. And, you know, we just weren't fortunate to move forward. You've coached USA Basketball before. How was this different being the head coach? Well, being the head coach, you know, a little bit more responsibility. But, you know, the way myself, Mike, and Kevin did it, where, you know, it's like, you know, we're a three, three-headed monster. Um some of the things, you know, you had to make some tough decisions, but overall it was coaching by committee. Uh, they're both very dynamic and unique coaches. Uh, and I learned a lot from both. So a little bit more stress uh, when you're the head coach, but the way we were able to work together was, uh, was a lot of fun. I mean, what do you think the chances are? And we've seen this at the world university games level where, you know, they've been taking an actual team over to that competition that we could see more of this where there will be conferences you know, taking on some of these uh, international competitions? I think it's a good thing. Number one, you know, the continuity that now the players, you know, the players know each other. We have all basically recruited some of the same guys. So it's not like you don't know their talent level and, you know, what their positives and negatives are. So I think that in itself lends a hand to some continuity to get them going in the right direction. What I loved, and I know this, you know, this, this little still video went a little viral within our world was when Colin Gillespie came off the court and he gave you a big bear hug. You know, everyone that knows you knows that uh, people are drawn to you, to your personality, your warmth. Uh, what was it like to, to to build those kind of quick relationships and the bond in such a short period of time against players that you're going to compete against for a Big East championship in a few months? You know, I thought that was another unique situation. You know, we had training camp at Providence for six days and then we you know we were together a lot and what i tried to do is build some chemistry things having us around each other going out to eat i had them come to my home we did some swimming played some games you know we hung out a lot in the you know in the facility the ruane facility then once we got over to peru i mean you're in the village you really can't go anywhere so we would go from the dorm to the bus to the cafeteria to the game and our practice. And really that was it. So I just think us being around each other and really dialing in. And then when you start competing and what I was proud of them again, is that they were representing the United States and they really bought into that. You know, I think back, uh, you know, we're, we're in the same age bracket and I don't know if in the eighties you could have pulled this off because it just didn't seem like there was as much uh, camaraderie, you know, within a conference, you know, it was mm-hmm. the, the rivalries and the competition, not that it's not heated now, but because these guys play so much together before they get to school, um, it, it just feels like it's a different era where this is, 
you know, easier to pull off now than maybe, you know, when we were teenagers. How true do you think that is? I, I, th- I think there is definitely some truth to that. You know, a lot of these guys played on the same AU programs. They've competed against each other a lot on that AU circuit. Um, and it's just a different time right now with social media, with uh, this, the different friendships that have been developed over time. I don't know if this could have been pulled off in 81, 82, you know. Um, you know, I, I just hope as, you know, with respect to the Pan-American games, is that, you know, that these leagues are still represented by that because I thought it was a positive thing, uh, you know, in another three years when they get ready to have these games again, you know, to send another conference over there because it was really good. What did you think of Peru? It was different, you know. Uh, what I do like is, I mean, obviously Latin America, uh, you know, my wife being of Dominican descent, you know, the food was pretty good, you know, um, although it was the same foods every single day. <laughs> Every single day, I mean, you're trying to feed eight to 10,000 people. I thought they were organized. You know, some of the sections of Peru are nice and some are uh, underdeveloped. And where the village was, was a really underdeveloped area. But uh, the people were nice. Uh, I thought the host did a really good job. Uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't drink the water. So there was waters and bottles of waters everywhere you went, which we're appreciative of. Uh, the traffic made New York City look calm, believe it or not. Uh, the traffic was at a different level. But overall, the positive experience, uh, the players were able to play. You know, I thought Alfred Diallo and David Duke played well. I thought AJ and, and, and Nate, from a Providence perspective, really grew up uh, to see what it is to compete at that elite, elite level. Colin Gillespie was really good in a bronze medal game, as was Jermaine Samuels. All right, so let, let me do this. I want to just run through the roster real quick of the guys that still have eligibility and get your take on... You know, just you can, I'm going to fire them off to you. Yep. What you saw and what you could see from them in this upcoming season, since you had this unique perspective. So I'm going to save your guys for last. I'm going to start with Tyshawn Alexander from Creighton. He's a junior. He's expected to be a big time part of the Blue Jays. What'd you see? What do you think Blue Jay fans will expect? Well, I think you know he to me is one of the best shooters in the country. Um, you know, he's able to use ball screens uh, when you get him freed up. You know, what his feet have said, he can really shoot. I think the people at Creighton are going to be really excited about his development. Uh, he's really athletic, and he's going to be somebody, you know, we're going to have to keep a close eye on the Big East when we play him. Miles Kale from Seton Hall will be a junior. He's a tweener at 6'6". Tough, versatile. He and Diallo are very similar. Um, you know, he can handle the ball. Uh, he's developing as a shooter. He's what I call the ultimate glue guy. He was able to play a lot of different positions, and he was a ball mover. He didn't hurt you when he got on the floor. Probably, if not the preseason Big East Player of the Year, it'll be Marcus Howard, who wasn't on the trip. Uh, he will be the Big East preseason Player of the Year, certainly a potential first-team All-American. Miles Powell going into his senior year at Seton Hall. Fell in love with him. Fell in love with the kid. Learned a lot about his past. Learned a lot about him as a person. Elite-level scorer. Elite-level um, I wouldn't be surprised if he is not a first-team All-American. I won't be on record for saying the best shooter in all of college basketball. And I don't know. I don't think there's a close second. He can really, really find the bottom of the net. Um, he's got a toughness about him. Uh, I thought he was spectacular the whole trip. Uh, Kevin, Kevin's going to have a really good year with that young man on the team. All right, let's deal with the two Villanova players. First, Colin Gillespie, junior guard, who's going to obviously be expected to probably start at the point for the Wildcats. Tough kid. Uh, shot maker. 
uh, you know, just winner, communicator. You can easily see how Jay loves him just on his ability to compete, follow instruction. Uh, really, really enjoyed him a lot. Big, not a big personality, but a fun young man. You know what I mean? He didn't have the personality of uh, like an A.J. Reed. You know what I mean? He just was a go-get-it-done guy. Uh, you know, had a couple of stretches where he struggled, but he really turned it on in the, in the bronze medal game. Jermaine Samuels, his teammate, is going to be a junior forward for the Wildcats. Yeah, I, I thought he had a really good tournament. Um, he's gotten a lot better. He shoots the ball way better than I anticipated. Uh, you know, he was able, you know, we played him at two positions because we needed a stretch guy. Uh, we had to go smaller, and we played a smaller lineup in one of the games where he actually played uh, the front court for us. Uh, but he made some big, big shots, really big shots. He had two clinching shots for us, one in the bronze medal game and one in the, one in the, I believe it was our second game. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. He, he did a, He's going to have a great year. Those two guys will have a great year for Villanova. You can easily see Jay's culture come out of them with toughness and togetherness and unselfishness. They were a lot of fun to be around. Mustafa Heron from St. John's. He'll be a senior. And I know Mike Anderson's going to be counting on him a lot, especially with Shamari Pons no longer on the roster. He probably had the biggest personality on the, which totally surprised all of us. Um, really high IQ, um, was able to make open shots. We played him at a couple of different positions. He ended up spraining his ankle, but I think he's going to have a fantastic year. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't become a first team all conference player. Uh, you know, and probably one of the leading scorers in the league. He's very versatile, and man, Mike's got a lot to be proud of there. All right, let's deal with your four players. Uh, Alpha Diallo decided to declare for the NBA draft, come back. Uh, he'll be a senior. I know he'll be one of your leaders, if not your leader. Uh, what'd you get out of Alpha? We got a lot out of Alpha. We played Alpha at four positions. His versatility really showed whether we would have him in a ball screen, post him up, isolate him. I think he was our leading scorer over the five games in our leading minute getter. Um, I just thought he was a tough matchup for a lot of people. I thought he, one thing I was very proud of Alpha with is he really matured. He dominated the game and really didn't even have to score. He did so many other different things. And I thought that was growth and development for him. David Duke uh, entering his sophomore season had a very good freshman year for you. What'd you see on this trip and what can Friar fans expect? Well, I mean, he and coach battle have really worked on his range. I thought he made a, a lot of threes off the dribble, catch and shoot. I thought he drove the ball with more uh, decision making in mind. I thought he, you know, he was one of our better on ball defenders and his grittiness. I, again, I thought David made a big, big jump in this entire tournament. AJ Reeves was on track to have a monster freshman year, gets derailed by an injury. Uh, what were your thoughts on him? And and uh, and also what you're expecting from him this upcoming season? Well, what I try to tell him too, you know, because he came in as an alternate and ended up making the team. You know, I with no expectations of anything. I wanted him to really see how he fit in because he didn't play much at all. He didn't play. You're not going to play a 12 man roster. But I said, AJ, I need you to be great for Providence College. I need you to be good for Team USA. But so you, you know, it's not like I'm the coach of Providence College coaching this USA team. So he appreciated that, understood it. I thought, you know, during the practices he did well in the short amount of minutes that he played, he did a good job, not a great job. But, you know, he's still developing, learning, 
you know, the game was really, really physical, uh, of which some of it he was up to, other than he's going to learn from, but he wasn't on the floor enough. What I expect from AJ is to be great. He's going to be a double-digit scorer for us. He's going to be somebody that we can go to when we need some shots made. It's a totally different role for him for Providence College than it would be for the Pan American team. And Nate Watson, uh, your big six foot ten junior center, uh, what'd you get out of him and what do you need to? Well, we, we saw some growth and maturity of him. Again, with Grissel and Tyler Wyman, who have international experience against some of those other bigs in, you know, in, in South America, uh, you know, Nate didn't have an opportunity to play as much as he had wanted to. But again, another situation where I need you to be great for Providence. I think people are going to see his versatility, his ability to score facing the basket now versus just, you know, with his back to the basket. Nate's going to have a monster year for Providence College. I'm excited for him. And Ed, you're, as you mentioned, your two assistants, your full-time assistants on this trip, Kevin Willard, head coach at Seton Hall, Mike, Bar- Mike Martin, the head coach at Brown. What did you learn from each one of them? Oh, you know, Kevin was a lot more patient. Uh, than I thought he would be. Um, he's a very, very good teacher, uh, very good fundamentals. Uh, a lot of his, his uh, philosophies on defensive ball screen coverages, um, his ability to see the game, how he connects with his players. I learned a lot from that there. As same with Mike. Mike, again, is a quiet person. A lot of people uh, see a fiery side of him. I saw more of a gentle, um, you know, he would watch the game, give you his opinion, and then we would all sit down. Uh, I think we all got a lot out of each other with respect to the X's and O's, but more the development of the team and how we were able to all come together with our ideas and philosophies to make them one. That uh, was a lot of fun, Andy. I mean, I had a great time. It was hard. It was long. But in the end, I think it was worth it. Well, Ed, congratulations on winning the bronze medal. Uh, for the United States at the Pan American Games, representing the Big East, and I know you're going to get uh, get going here for the upcoming uh, college basketball season, where I think Providence certainly will be in the hunt near the top of the Big East, and certainly for an, another NCAA tournament berth. Thanks, Ed. Thanks a lot, Andy. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. You can check out our podcast wherever you find your podcast. Download them, of course, all our social media handles at NCAA.com and March Madness. As always, appreciate every one of you downloading this, listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.